Welcome one and all to another edition of the Signals from Mars podcast brought to you or live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. Uh, you got to love technology because the good old countdown clock was not working. So I kind of went by ear there. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Monty Pittman. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Good to see you again. Absolutely. I am doing whoa, it cut out. What is going on here? Well, we lost Monty for a second. Uh let's see if he comes back in. Uh but yeah, that's Monty Pittman. He is the, the here we here we go. Okay. Hey, you got it, it just yeah. restarted. It just kicked me out. Oh wow! Okay, it just on my end. It kept going, and it, and you just disappeared. So, um, uh, fingers, I was invisible. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. This uh, this continues to work. Uh, for for those that do not know Monty, um, he is a metal blade recording artist. He has uh, produced, written, and recorded with Prong. And he has been Madonna's guitarist now for what two decades? No. Yeah, yeah. Time flies. Absolutely. It was funny. I was looking that up, and um, you know, I, I often listen to, uh, and and I'll lose my metal cred with this, but I don't care. Um, I often listen to MDNA and watch that specific uh, live DVD every so many months, and I look back and I'm like. Damn, this is already what from 2009, if I'm not mistaken. That was 2012. Next year, that'll be 10 years old. Ten. So, so there you go. Like that. Look, you won't like, lose your metal cred for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still cool. I mean, in in you know, we've all seen their documentaries out there about people that end up playing with big name people, and you know, to have that kind of longevity though with an artist like that. And we know, you know, Madonna and Ozzy, um, a Dave Mustaine, a Trent Reznor, you know, these are all big names that have always had, you know, revolving doors, but two decades with, with someone of that magnitude is an outstanding accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you. It's nothing I think about until, you know, like someone asks you about it or something. Right. Uh, you know, we just always you just keep keep going forward. Sure. One 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 factor that I think that plays into that is I look at every new project, really, no matter what I do, not just with Madonna, but it's like I'm starting over. Right. Like I wouldn't like my when I make another solo album, it's not going to be like okay, well, here's where I came. With you know, with my previous album, and now I got to keep going. It's just like I'm making my first album all over again. Yeah, and I think that's especially for me, who's listened to the the four albums that you have on Metal Blade quite a bit. You can definitely notice that where there's an evolution between each one of them, and each one of them is completely different to one another. You know, where where it is. Yeah, it's natural that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, obviously with the last two releases, you you really took a chance in the sense that you released two at the same time. And, and all these, you know, you hear artists, you know, after Metallica releases Load and Reload and Guns N' Roses does the two Use Your Illusion albums, all these years later, you hear, um, well, we should have compacted that and made one great album instead of two good albums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three years later, was it still the right decision for you? Yeah, because it's two different albums. It's yeah, two okay. different things. It would be like if, uh, you know, what I wanted it to be like is if you you were to go get a Neil Young album and you were to get a Metallic album or something. Yeah. You know, all all at once. So it's um it's not meant to be like some of these songs would have made it onto the same. Yeah. Album. But if, yeah, you well, know, eventually I would I'd like to kind of get in. You know, I mean, it will naturally sort of segue into that. Maybe you would have an, a heavy song, an acoustic song, and then something sure. else, something else. See, now when you explain that, it made sense because if you think of the albums that I mentioned, it really they're all mixed in there together. They, they aren't two completely different albums, whereas you had a fully electric album and a fully acoustic album. So it's it's really different. And the other kind of neat thing is you're seeing a lot of I get a lot of promos now for bands that are, I don't know, dark folk or, you know, um, I don't know how to categorize them. Um, So it's almost as if you jumped the curb with doing what you did with your album. And there are a lot of other artists kind of doing the same type of thing, because if you um, if you really listen to your acoustic album, it isn't straight up like Americana. It isn't, you know, there's really like some metalish chord progressions in there to make it feel dark and make it really fit into something that should be on Metal Blade Records. See, a lot of acoustic music, I mean, that I listen to is some of the, probably some of the darkest music of anything else that I listen to. Like, uh, okay. Nick Drake is a huge influence. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he, he was or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all just, I mean, it's, um, you know, I don't think of it as happy music. <laughs> right. At all, you know. <laughs> and not that that's what I'm trying, I'm not trying to bum people out. <laughs> right. With, 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 <laughs> you're having a good day, put on this album, it'll ruin your day. I'm not trying <laughs> to do that at all. Um <laughs> It's just, I think a lot of it is just that's how you write on guitar. It's what sounds cool on guitar, and, and you write that way. Right. One of the... Led Zeppelin 1, that's what I always use Led Zeppelin 1 as my sort of template to sure. discuss this. The first song was a, a rock song, which that was heavy metal at yeah. the time. Then the second song is acoustic. The third song is blues. Fourth song is like psychedelic. Right. So uh, that, that, that is the the skeleton of everything that we've grown up listening to. Mm -hmm. But it seems like now, if you have anything acoustic, it's, you know, you know, scares people. Yeah. I, I I often bring this same notes, same strings, you know, same chords, just a different sound. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always bring this up. The music at the beginning is something that I put together almost 10 years ago. And I remember trying to get, you know, knowing that I'm not a good enough guitarist, knowing that I'm not a good enough singer and whatnot. I'm, more of a drummer. So I reached out to people to say, Hey, let's, you know, collaborate on this. And the first reaction was why out of the 10 songs that you wrote, why do they all sound different? 
I'm like, because I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin and groups that you had, you know, an album was a journey. Not No two songs were alike. It wasn't, well, we have this one single and then everything is going to be a derivative of that single. Mm. That, that's one way that, to look at it. And there's, you know, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, there, there's several ways that you can go about it. Sure. You know, one is you have, you know, for me, if it wasn't for variety and liking several different styles of playing and a lot of different music, I don't know if I would still be working as a guitar player. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, with Madonna, speaking of that, you know, that's, that has, that's, that is one of the number one things that that job requires is there's going to be something acoustic. There's going to be something flamenco, something with like the dance funk guitars, yeah. something rock oriented, you know, where you're using your distortion channel and your amp, a lot of those uh, different styles all in one. There's been times we've done jazz. One time mm-hmm. I had to play ukulele. One time I had to play a sitar. One time I had to play a banjo. You know, it's just, there's going to be a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I, and I think not to, uh, blow any smoke up anyone's ass. If you really compare her show to other people that are claiming to be, you know, pop divas or whatever, however you want to categorize it, you look at her show tour to tour, it's different. So what, as you're saying, what you need to do is different from tour to tour and it's a show. So it's, you know, it's covering, you know, putting on a show. Yeah. Yeah. um, Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a show. It's still a concert, though. It's kind of yeah. all those things wrapped in one. Right. Um, one of the most impactful things that you ever said to me, and I think it was the first time that I interviewed you, was when you write an album, you don't write it to have the song split up. You write it as a as something that's a fluid motion from beginning to end. Um, so my question to you is this. What albums do you listen to that are some of your favorites that you just have to absolutely listen to them beginning to end? Master of Puppets would be one. Um, okay. Vulgar Display of Power. All, all, any any of the Metallica albums, well, most of the Metallica albums, Pantera albums, I would say. Uh, it's just, there's just a flow. Uh, Slayer, like Rain and Blood. Mm-hmm. There's a flow to it, and I like that. Tool, Undertow, um, all those Led Zeppelin albums, too. Those are the ones that just, like, the first things that come to mind. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, like, Battery Ends and then Master of Puppets starts. Yeah. I you know, like that. There's just something about that. <laughs> If, if your adrenaline isn't going between those two songs, you know, you're, you're basically dead. You're not, you're not pumping blood. So yeah, I hear you. Um, a few weeks back, insomnia had kicked in and I had woken up with uh, the chorus to your song, California, in my mind. I, I kept hearing uh, in California, there's golden sunshine in California, it never rains. And the melody kept going over and over again. And I couldn't sleep. And it was all right. I just have to listen to the song. So I tweeted about it. And you responded to me and gave me a recommendation of trying teas and melatonin. (laughs) (laughs) 
which was no, that's uh, the name of my next album, Tease and Melatonin. The, the, there you go. You, you're the you're already albums put you to sleep. <laughs> Did it work? Um. Well, uh, I mean, at the time I was uh, on antibiotics and all this shit, so it was like impossible to to sleep. I, I, and to be quite honest with you, I wanted to get past what I was dealing with then and had no issue being up listening to your music because it's like having, you know, I've, I've started to say this a lot. The soundtrack of your life is like being with a good friend where you're in different moods and you want to listen to a song to, hey, when stuff sucks you want to listen to a song to uh you know amp your mood up in my case i couldn't sleep so i was like all right well i know i know i love these songs so i'm gonna listen to this because it's it's gonna get my mind off of hey you haven't slept for the last 10 hours so (laughs) why do you think it was that song and not you know another one um had you heard that song before and then oh stuck in your head or yeah, um, with your music, it goes through phases. Um, that song, Delusion of Grandeur, um, I remember the last time I interviewed you, I was going through a really crappy time in my life with, with my health, and I kept hearing in my head um, you singing It's Not the End of the World over and over again. Uh, so there, there are certain songs that you've written that certain moods do trigger saying, you know what? Let's listen to this to calm down a little. Let's reassert ourselves and get going. Oh, awesome. Well, glad to be of service. Yeah. Well, um, I've, I've always said this. You know, when people complain about, we're talking about Metallica, for example, their new album sounds nothing like Master of Puppets. Well, a lot of people don't understand the emotional connection most people make when you're 13 and you hear an album, you know, regardless what a band does after that, it's going to be difficult to compete with that a lasting emotional connection. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of, and I compare it to food, um, just because, you know, pizza is your favorite food doesn't mean you can't enjoy spaghetti as well. You know, um, yeah, that's a good one. You can like <laughs> You can like Cannibal Corpse and and you can like Nathaniel Rateliff, you know, yeah. something heavy, something acoustic. It's all it's all good music. Yeah, as long as something speaks to you and connects to you, it to me, I think it just matters that it's good or bad. So to always say that an album again isn't as good as Master of Puppets, sure, that's maybe your biggest your favorite thing but it doesn't mean that everything has to be master of puppets can you can still enjoy it yeah for me that would take away from master of puppets i want my master of puppets to be my master of puppets right that makes sense (laughs) um with with the song california getting back to that the lyrics i mean are obviously biographical uh from from when you took your first trip from Texas to California, which was a big step. Is is that correct? It, that That's part of it. It, it okay. reminded me of that, but we were making the Prong Power of the Damager album okay. in El Paso. And a friend of mine came to pick me up, which now that I, I mean, now that I think about it, that's pretty crazy that you know he drove from la to el paso to pick me up it was a great road trip too so we were out we were at we were at al jorgensen's house okay 
And I had completed playing bass and doing some background vocals. And uh, maybe there was a guitar solo or two that I did. And then I was going to leave it up to Tommy. Tommy was going to start doing his vocals, I think it was. And then solos, like all his stuff. And so my friend came and picked me up. And then when we were driving back, you know, it was it was like middle of the night. And just like when you see weird stuff out in the in the desert and right, uh, it's like a full moon. So like everything was really illuminated, and, right. and that was kind of what that was about. And um, Tommy used to have this joke song when he was at ministry, uh, you know, um, hazing me. <laughs> I guess okay. you, could, you know, because we're all good friends, and so we all poke fun at each other. So he wrote yeah. a whole song about that. And so it was sort of a take on that. So there's like several things that made it all what it was. Right. Okay. And you name drop your friend in the lyrics as well. Yes. That's who picked me up, Doug Anderson. Yeah. So cool. And that came from Tommy's song because Doug was always giving me a ride somewhere. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Um, One of the things you mentioned uh, Pantera before, Um, I often have – you know, the, the, the typical thing that you have conversations with your friends and you want to swap music back and forth. So the discussion always comes up with, you know, comes up upon who do you think is the most underrated this or who should I know or or whatnot? Um, and one of the conversations uh, steered towards listening to one of your albums. And the person that I was speaking to was a guitarist. And he said to me, um, sounds a lot like Dimebag Daryl. And I said, well, could be an influence, I said, but uh, think about Dimebag's influences and think about how maybe Monty and Dimebag maybe kind of drank from the same well. Uh, Randy Rhodes, uh, Eddie Van Halen, um, so on and so forth. So even though people nowadays maybe identify, you know, Dime as being the huge, you know, guitarist that he was but doesn't necessarily mean that the influence was 100% dime. It could have still come from other places that also influenced him as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I thought when you said drink from the same well, like they probably they were, they were only a couple of hours away or, or wells. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, I think a lot of that growth is from growing up in Texas. Okay. That, that sort of thing. If, if that's what you meant. But as far as the same influences, yeah. But, but then again, you know, a lot of people had those same influences. Right. Randy Rhodes, Metallica, uh, that influenced, you know, a majority of guitar players. There was, you know, so from, you know, I, I teach guitar lessons online, just right. like this. And mm-hmm. one thing I was teaching somebody earlier today was this was weight from white lion. Okay. I never learned that song. I've always known this, uh, really cool guitar bar and we started getting into it and you don't realize how much Led Zeppelin stuff is in there. Mm-hmm. Like it's even, it even has the same chord as 10 years gone. Oh, wow. Okay. It has that same chord, but listening to it, you would never think that. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when you read it and you look at it, it's like, Oh, this is very uh, Led Zeppelin influence. Right. So there's people that, that influence other people that you don't, uh, you, you may not, you may not realize because it comes across differently. Sure. Uh, another song was David Bowie, Life on Mars, which, you know, when that came out, he was a, he was a character, mm-hmm. you know, 
doing that. And but the but if you break down the music, it's like a hybrid of like show tunes music, the way that would be written, like something for a theater. Sure. And the Beatles. You know, like everything came from the Beatles because that's what right. everybody, you know, that's that's all really people, you know, one of the main things that they had to be in yeah. one spot. Yeah, the foundation. But and Black Sabbath have both said so many times that they were just trying to be a blues band. Like they're they're thinking blues, but sure. it comes out another way. Yeah, and and that's you know when a lot of people start to ask about well who's the greatest you know guitarist, the greatest drummer, the greatest this. It's what you're saying. You know, it's different people. Everyone's fingers is different. You know, they're different from one another. Your feeling is completely different. Regardless how much you practice and how good you get, there's still going to be certain things that can't be nailed 100%. And the guitar you play. And the guitar you play, yeah, yeah. I I took lessons from somebody that um, uh, actually had the number one album here in Spain a few weeks ago, the Thrash Band. Uh, who signed to uh, Century Media, and he saw that I had a, a Paul Gilbert fireman guitar, and he told me, he said, just so you know, right off the bat, no matter how many hours you practice, you will never sound like Paul Gilbert. That was the first five minutes of our lesson. <laughs> See, I would do a different approach. I would say, you keep practicing, it'll sound even better than Paul Gilbert. Oh, wow. There you go. What's going to have you practicing more? Telling you that you can't do it or telling you that you can't? Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but some guitars, um, you know, especially when you get into the really technical stuff, it's, it's like those guitars are easier to play some of that stuff. They have like really thin necks. Right. Um, like this, this, this is one of my ESPs. And the neck, you can see how big that neck is. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So it's, it's like a, like an old uh, Black Beauty baseball. It had those big baseball bat necks. Right. And so some of the really technical stuff just doesn't come through mm-hmm. the same way. You can still do it. It doesn't mean you can't do it. But then if you played a guitar with a really thin neck and... Um, you know, some of those guitars that they did were on like shorter scales too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tricks of the trade. Tuning sometimes is different, you know, as well. So, you know, I have uh, someone here in the chat who sometimes co-hosts with me. Um, okay. He runs he runs a site called uh, uh, Yarg Metal. He's a musician as well, and he talks about that. He talked about that a few uh, weeks back about how eye-opening it was to realize that when he was learning to play, that bands would tune flat. You know, how forever he'd practice and practice and just couldn't get it right and didn't understand why. And then once he, uh, you know, realized that bands were using different tunings, all that changed. Oh, that could have made a big, yeah. (laughs) That could have made a big difference if you, um, you know, like if you were trying to play like Slayer or Guns N' Roses or something and they tuned down a half step, but then if you were fretting the chords that would yeah that would make a big yeah big difference. yeah absolutely um when you did um um jesus this is why i'm supposed to write stuff down and not go by memory uh inverted uh grasp of balance there you go jesus 
Um, you worked with Billy Sheehan and you worked with Richard Christie. Uh, since then, um, you've pretty much done everything with the following two albums. Uh, if you would go back to working with any other musicians, do you have like a a wish list? No, like budget. Let's say there's no budget involved whatsoever. You could pick a bass player or a drummer of your choosing. Who would you go with? Do uh, future recordings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go with John Deddy, who plays with me live. Okay. Um, you know John? He played yeah. for Slayer or Testament. Slayer. Yep. Um, I would get him to play drums. For okay. bass. I mean, I don't know any of them. I'd love to work with Billy again. Uh, Max, who played on The Power of Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's he's he has this he's plays in this band called Midnight Sister. It's okay. really, some of the weirdest music I've ever heard, but it's really cool. Um, I think that he's still doing that. Um, I I'm not I'm not really sure. It's hard to uh, it's hard to just think of one, you know, person. But I guess I'd go with Billy. Like I love to work with Billy again. Okay. I think cool. Billy and John would get along really well. I think. Okay. I'll just yeah, let them talk, and then I'll just. <laughs> do you feel that you would have to up your game as well again to uh, to try to keep up with them? I hope so. I, I, I like I like uh, a good challenge. Okay, cool. So I hope so. Billy told me that for this when we did the songs he did, he said it was the hardest session that he's ever done. Oh wow! No kidding. Said, can I get you to? Can I get that as a quote? <laughs> That's gonna be the album cover. Yeah. Can you sign this for me? Because everyone that he's played with, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous compliment. I know. He must have just been, he was probably just being nice. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't, I know, this is the hardest session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't told that story to someone else and had them say, you know what? He said the same thing to me, too. (laughs) Right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I've, you know, I've I've done interviews where you may say the same thing. Wait, Billy told me that. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's funny. I, you know, I finish interviews and people will say, you know, great interview. You know, I really enjoyed speaking to you. And, you know, you're like, wow, that's great coming from that person. And then, like, you let it sink in. You're like, wait, how many interviews did you do today? Either, all right, it'd be cool if, you know, if, if that's really what happens. But I'm hoping I'm not like the fifth person that got that same thing today. <laughs> I know. Um, if you could resurrect any musician, to play with them, um, who would that be? Oh, cut out again. All right, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Again, technology when it works is great. When it doesn't, Oh, let's see. It's on MP flash up on the screen. So, uh, oh, he's he's back out. All right, so let's check in with some of the people that are in the chat. As usual, we have Jeremy giving us a uh, good evening here. Good evening, sir. Good evening to Jose as well, giving us a, a happy Friday 
all. I mentioned Brad from Yarg Metal. Let's see, we're getting Monty is jumping back. Sorry. Okay. No, that's that. It threw me. It did not. It did not like that answer. <laughs> there you go. Um. So anyway, I don't. I don't know if you heard my uh, question before it cut out. It, it no, was. No. What was the question? Okay. If you're able to resurrect any musician to work with, who would it be? Ooh, uh, to sell albums or to learn from. How about one of each? Well, to, I mean, hmm. Oh, well, I'll go with Randy. Okay. Because, I mean, imagine what you could learn from working on music with him. If it was just any musician, I would go with, like, John Coltrane. Okay. But Joe, John Coltrane would probably not even, you know, speak to me. <laughs> it, was, it was such so far advanced musically. Right. Be like I was asking him how to, how do you play your top string, you know? Gotcha. Okay. Maybe that. I, I don't know if we would make an album or what maybe we would. Maybe I could get him to play saxophone on, the, on my next album or something. I don't know. Um, but you know, Randy would be a great, uh, would have, you know, if you could like work with him, but then if I could get John Bonham to play drums on my album, that would be good. Okay. So maybe that would be a better choice because if Randy was on guitar, then I don't know what I would, then I don't know what I would do. <laughs> then I would just be the singer. Right. Yeah. Well. So mean, maybe, uh, let's, let's say John Bonham. I'd have John Bonham play okay. drums on my album. Okay. And I would cross all, everything off the checklist for that. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as Randy and his playing, if you were ever tasked to do a solo for a new Ozzy track, would you approach it as Randy or would you approach it in a different fashion? Um, is a combination of, of all. Uh, one thing that Randy did was sort of work on the uh, the you know, Aussie, like the brand Aussie, right? Like the beginning of the Over the Mountain solo mm -hmm. starts with a diminished chord, which is you know what what's that's like the first thing that you know of with Aussie is Black Sabbath, which is a, a diminished chord. Sure. So he throw those things in there as the as your your signature. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how an artist, like some of the old artists will have a painting and they'll they'll paint one color or they'll paint one thing in, in the in the painting so you know it's them. Gotcha. That's that's how I would treat it. It just depends on what the song is. Mm -hmm. You know, that's if um uh, yeah, I mean I would it would it would be kind of a hybrid of all of those things but it really it depends on what the song is 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 there any artist like that out there that you'd love to do a solo for oh definitely Ozzy yeah um, I, I'm I don't really think of it that way I, I would you know I'll play or, or work with anybody 
there's one of my favorite gigs that I've had is this group Carmen. Okay. So K-A-R-M-I-N, and it's a pop duo. Mm-hmm. But they were, when I first heard it, when I listened to it, I was like, oh, I, I don't know about this. But then when I met them, I was like, oh, they're, we hit it all. We, we're still really good friends. And I wound up like you know, learning a lot, as always, and learning things I wouldn't have expected. And it, it just kind of it kind of helped me appreciate how some of that pop music is done. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like it's easy and just no thought goes into it, but it's completely the opposite. There's so much that goes into it. And mm-hmm. it's that process of elimination that gives you what you're left with. So I would play with anybody. You, you never know what you know what, what you're gonna who you're gonna meet or what's gonna come from it. Okay. Ozzy would be my number one though if I could do a a guitar solo for him. Um, I can't even really think of anyone anyone else. I like okay. Ray LaMontagne. Right? Do, do you know who Ray LaMontagne is? I do not. He's an, he's an acoustic guy. His last couple of things have been more like electric, but I guess you can't do acoustic. You know, I guess like like him, he probably got tired of playing just acoustic guitar for an hour or two, so he's like right. some electric songs. That'd be a cool. That'd be cool. Um, I don't know. I can't really think of anybody. I mean, whoever, anyone. Okay. Um, and obviously, you touched upon it before. Over the years, you uh, well. Madonna has converted some of her pop hits into more rock songs like Burning Up and and things like that. Um, Do you have a hand in what songs get turned into rock songs? Have you suggested certain things or is the process in reverse? Does she come to you and say, hey, I want to make a rock version of this because it's a track? Those... Um, I know when we did Dress You Up and Burning Up, those okay. came from me kind of like coming up with a rock version and showing it to her that way. Okay. Um, when we did Hung Up, we had gotten a new keyboard player, musical director, and he, he came up with that idea um, of doing Hung Up like that. And then from Hung Up, I had taught her the, the main riff for a new level, or the first riff right. for a new level from Pantera. And then she just loved that riff and would keep playing it. And that's how <laughs> I wound up in there. Yeah. And what else do we do? Um, so, no, it's, it's it, everything is sort of a, you know, some everyone kind of brings in their ideas, and then there's a little bit of a collaboration. Gotcha. It's not okay. like one person comes in and says, this is the way that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But like if I had burning up or dress you up, that's kind of things that she could play. Like if I give her, if she's going to play guitar on something, she wants it to be heavy. Right. I've tried, you know, I've tried giving her clean guitar stuff. She's like, no, no, turn on the distortion. Like, no, no, (laughs) more distortion than that. That's as heavy as it gets. You know, like that's, um, that is, that, that's usually where that comes from. Are, are there other songs that you've tried to, um, you know, that you've tried to make more of a rock songs and just haven't worked out? Yeah, there's one of her old songs, Angel. I've always tried to make that work, but it it never it never makes the final list. 
it's hard to make it's hard to put when you know she's got such a career and it's hard to put all of that into a two-hour show yeah because each section you it's not always like this the last tour wasn't like this but uh, all the tours before that i've done it's almost like four 30-minute shows Right, and they kind of each have a theme. Like the the first part is very dance oriented, and the second part will be almost like some sort of like Broadway kind of show. But then that's usually with something like there, there'll be like a rock song in there. Third section is usually sort of stripped down acoustic, and that fourth section is kind of the finale, like a lot of big mm-hmm. production numbers, dance numbers, and. You know, ending with it's not always like ending with the most you don't always she doesn't always end with her biggest hit right but she's got the most hits of any female artist but so it, it's hard i guess she could put any any song at the end there but for her it's all about telling a story with the show gotcha so some of those songs like they don't like we've we played part of papa don't preach mm-hmm Maybe we've done the whole song. I don't think we've done the whole song. I think we just played like pieces of it, like it's something. But with the lyrics and the theme, like that doesn't have anything else to do with that section Mm -hmm. of the show. So it's almost, you know, like a a Broadway show, like you're telling a story. And in the middle, you'd have this, you know, this Papa Don't Preach, I'm keeping my baby thing. It wouldn't fit. So. Okay. Same with like a virgin, like it's got to fit like a certain, certain thing. Like a prayer always works. That you know, that that's the song that can kind of fit in in different um, themes. Gotcha. Okay. And and those songs are always done completely different from tour to tour, which makes that even even cooler. So, are you yes. surprised? From tour to tour, some of the arrangements that are made when when you guys come in to uh, you know work on the the show. Oh, well, they're not they're not arranged until we start working. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, oh, let's do this song, and we start you know playing around with it. Okay. Wow. So that that wow, that's even neater. Well, I mean, I was under the impression that maybe whoever the director was already coming in with a, an outline, but no, you're telling me that you guys just jam and. you'll usually do do, um like whatever is on the current album you would play that exactly like the record and then other things you would do some sort of different version right okay um but you know this last tour we actually did some things and we kind of went back and some things were like the album so it's not like it has to be one way sure yeah, which again, which is which is really cool because that kind of keeps the show, you know, interesting. It, you're not always getting to see the same songs played the same, so it makes it makes people want to see the the show tour after tour. Yeah, one thing I like doing with her is like if there's a song that doesn't have a lot of guitar or any guitar, but there's remixes. Mm-hmm. Something that is like an element of one of the several remixes and play that on guitar. Oh, wow. So that would be just a, a different approach right there. And then that may lead you to something else. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's totally cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brad is asking in the chat uh, how you got the gig with Madonna. 
uh, I started teaching her how to play guitar. Okay. And then we became friends from that. And then she was good. She, when, uh, when I went on the first tour with her, she hadn't toured in seven years. And for all I knew, you know, she was retired or, or whatever. But then she said, hey, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to need a guitar player. You want to come on tour and play guitar for me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, figured that would be, I figured what an experience. Mm-hmm. I figured that would be it. <laughs> and then I'm still here. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you keep talking about teaching. You've actually got... Uh, you're lined up with Jam Play, is it? That's what's on your website. Yeah, I did a course on Jam Play uh, a couple of years ago. That you can still find that on their website. Okay. And then I teach, you know, on, on my own over FaceTime or Skype or Zoom. Okay. And it's just like this. Uh, cool. On my website, montypittman.com, there's a way to connect um, any anywhere on my social media. The, Oh, I lost you. Okay. No, so, for example, oh, for yeah. yeah, we've got the, um, the site open. So right here, it says online guitar lessons. People just find you straight through there, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Lessons at montypittman.com. You can just email me oh, there. Even easier. We do a little bit of everything. you got to do a little scales, a little chords, some songs, some techniques, some theory. Help you... Cool. A little bit of all of it to understand the, the the main thing that you're wanting to learn, and there's always you know new things to learn. Sure. Excellent. Um, as far as on social media, where should people go to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, well, really, just I mean, social media that that's it. I mean, there's there's nothing else going on right now except for teaching around here. Okay. Um, <laughs> things are starting to open up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I guess everybody's guess is the same. Right. Um, so hopefully shows start again at, at some point when it's when it can happen, you know, when it's safe to happen and but it seems like that is being rushed to to get back you know as soon as possible. Mhm. But Instagram is at Monty Pittman. I have a Facebook page um, and Twitter. I haven't been on much lately because there's not much going on. <laughs> sure. Um, as far as you writing music for a new solo album, is there anything going on there? Yeah, I've got two things that are really, really strong. And... I don't know. I have different ideas of how to approach the next thing. So it's like, I don't, you know, I, I have skeletons of songs. There's, there's two songs I've got really good demos of, but I don't want them to be that good yet. You know, I don't, I, part of, part of it is the excitement of, of, of making the writing the song and making the song. And I don't want to, say that I have a completed idea and like I have this song and that's the way it is and it could take a while before that to come out and then I wind up going oh wait no I'm gonna no I wish I was doing this song or I wish I was doing that song one, one thing that I've thought about is just doing it's kind of funny that you talk about um, how you brought up doing two albums at the same time mm -hmm. releasing two albums on the same day 
and writing everything that has a, a you know a flow to it. It's funny that you brought that up because one thing that I was like toying with in my head was to just do singles. Okay. Like just do one song at a time. Like make one song, make it as good as I could possibly make it and just put that out. Mm-hmm. And then another song. So it would be more of a variety of, of music probably. But okay. I, I don't know if that's what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Right. No idea. I've been, um, you know, recording for other people who send me tracks, um, producing a couple of people. And so that, that's been taking up a lot of time. So if I have in between teaching or recording for other people, um, I just did some product demos for ESP that'll be coming out. Um, so I had to kind of write some tracks, you know, to play to. So I was working on that, mm-hmm. but you know, it, for me to work on my stuff, it has to be when there's nothing else going on. And then I have to want to do it, you know. <laughs> I don't want to push myself. It has yeah. to be like, oh, I feel like playing. I feel like good, you know, digging into this song because that's mm-hmm. when you come up with something. And if I right. listen to that over and over every day and kind of burn myself out on it, it won't be the the same. It's almost do, like you treat it with this great respect mm-hmm. of writing. Do you take long pauses in between writing? I mean, is it something where you just you're standoffish until you feel that it, you know, something good enough has come along or, or do you have to play at least X times a week and then whatever comes out, comes out. I usually know right from like the first time I play something like, Oh yeah, this is going to be a song that, you know, that in a song that people would like, but then sometimes people like a song and I'm just feel like it's just kind of thrown like California is just like a song that I just sort of like, you know, I had that riff and I kind of just started playing and pieced it together. Mm-hmm. I thought that Guilty Pleasure on that album, I thought that was going to be the song that like <laughs> people go, oh my God. <laughs> right. And it was kind of the opposite. Um, but the, oh yeah, and Arisen in Broad Daylight is another really, that's probably my, on Spotify, it's got the most plays of any of the other songs. Right. Uh, and when that came out, yeah, I was, I was very proud of that because it has like three choruses in one chorus. Like that, that hook of the song, there's three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I'll just, I'll, whenever I finish this next group of songs, then I guess I'll take the, you know, then see about putting it out. Okay. Cool. So I don't really, because um, they, they still have a long way to go. Gotcha. Okay. I don't even know what, you know, what's going to happen with, 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 with music. You know, it's a new decade. It's, you know, first everybody's going to get, get out there touring again when that can happen. Mm-hmm. And then every decade things, they change. Where do you think things are? Where do you think you, I like having this conversation with people like where do you think music is going to go like when has it ever done the same thing like you have 1989 and you have 1991 and it's almost like two different worlds yeah um that's interesting because there's 
I mean, I don't know. There's definitely a push and pull right now between there being a lot of like retro acts, um, bands that are really um, like trying to do 70s inspired music, whether um, whether it's like a Greta Van Fleet or there's, I mean, there are a ton of bands now on on like Nuclear Blast and Century Media that really sound like Deep Purplish or um, uh, you know sounds like Zeppelin or Black Oak Arkansas, and obviously there are bands that sound like Sabbath because you've still got a lot of Doom and 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 Stoner bands coming out. So I think there a lot of the younger bands are really going back to. You know, kind of what I think we we saw to an extent in the '90s, where we saw a lot of bands like like even a U2, borrowing a lot of like '60s influences with what they were putting out. So, I mean, right now, a lot of the, the younger acts seem to be wanting to like t- take stuff from the from the '70s almost. That that's that's what it seems like to me right now. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm waiting to see what is going to happen musically to, to make my decision of what I'm going to do. I'm just always curious about like, you know, it's, it's always changing, but how is it going to change, especially with the yeah. last year of what we've gone through? Yeah, there's there's supposed to be 200 some odd albums coming out the first quarter of the year. We're, we're, yeah, another reason we're, I can just take my time still, because there's going to be plenty of music right. coming out. <laughs> yeah, from last year. No, no reason to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have another question here. What do you feel is your most exotic or esoteric guitar? Most exotic or esoteric guitar? Yes, uh, that would be an ESP FRX. Okay. It's, it's one of the models that they make, and it looks like a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's um, like made out of dragon scales. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. It might be. It might be. I haven't get the paint. Um, you're still using the Kemper Orange connection on stage? Yes. Okay. Um, as far as going out and playing your solo music... How important is that? Is it just because you want to play your original music live or does it have to do with the fact that you want to be in a closer, um, much more, um, you want to be closer to the people that are, that are seeing you play. Whereas obviously when you're playing in a stadium, you're much farther back than, uh, than if you're doing a club show, doing your own stuff. Yeah, when you're playing your own music, you know, the idea is to get it out to as many people as possible. Um, there's times I've gone out and played, and I call it my you know, my one-man show, where I, I, I don't get to take a band, and I would play the drums and the bass from the records, and I play to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an ideal situation, but it's better than just sitting here on my couch and not playing. <laughs> right. I can do that, too. Uh, but... Um, but yeah, the you know I went on the the most recent tours. I opened for Tony McAlpine and I opened for Sebastian Bach. Okay. And that was just about you know just like everybody like every other band you're you're out you know promoting your 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 music to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And my uh, last question here, because we're almost out of time. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I noticed that um, that we also share another uh, um, like in common. Uh, I do another podcast which is called Galaxy Geeks, which heavily talks about Star Wars. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, can, can you just quickly talk about your, your love for Star Wars? Are you into, you know, is there certain eras of Star Wars that you like more than others? Or are you a fan of just everything? Yeah. I mean, most everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, most everything. I mean, of course that was, that had a major play in my imagination as a kid. Sure. Uh, it was it was very poignant, like when the prequels came out, like because mm-hmm. that's that right after that happened is when I started getting ready to move from Texas to Los Angeles. Right. Uh, and then with the 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 sequels ending, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like we've it's like an end of an era time period. Right. Because just a few months later, we you know we started getting locked down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you gotten into the Mandalorian at all? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I thought that was great. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it seems as if for this year we're going to be getting all this Marvel-related content, and towards the end of the year we'll get more Star Wars with Book of the and um, right now it's kind of up in the air whether uh, Mandalorian season three or whether the first Ahsoka series starts up at the end of the year, but it seems like uh, 2022 is definitely going to be full of new Star Wars. A lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah. I think one thing about with the Mandalorian is they know they can't screw anything up from now on. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the benchmark. Yeah, and and I think with that, they were also smart with getting people – uh, I think Disney learned with the Marvel side of things to get people that really know the subject material and love the subject material and know that they don't want to dick around with, you know, the, the various characters and whatnot. They want to kind of stay true to the essence. And that's what I think yeah. we've got to that. So they've been smart. Cool. So right. thanks so much for having me on your show again. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, next, next, when I get some new music out or have something more exciting to talk about, we'll we'll have to do some more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still great to talk to you about just music and and other things in general. Always always fun. And again, thank you for uh, being part of the soundtrack of my life. Awesome, you're very welcome. Thanks for listening, and I hope you uh, hope you get some rest. <laughs> Shortly. All right, Monty. Thank Thanks you again. very much. Talk to you later. Yeah. Okay. Bye. All right, guys. That that was a lot of fun. Obviously, it was uh, um a little choppy there um, from from his side of things. I, I tried to uh, clean it up uh, how I could, but it was what it was. Some of the times, you know, other people that are in the chat, they are. Some podcasters that are that are following, they know that unfortunately, you you know, you, you kind of go with what you can, and uh, and I appreciate him coming on. If you haven't checked out his albums on uh, Metal Metal Blade, they're all 
really good. All four that he has released, they're great. And they're all different from one another. So it isn't one of these things where you listen to one and all right, you've listened to the rest of them. No, the, the, the first he's, he's got different musicians playing on, uh, on each album. So that adds to, um, what each album sounds like. And it was funny the first time that I interviewed him, he talked about, and you can find this up on Mars Um, the first time I spoke to him, he, um, he talked about the fact that he talked to Brian Slagle at Metal Blade and was talking that he was shopping the album. And Brian said, you know, hey, I'll release it. He was like, well, it isn't really a metal album. And Slagle was like, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I want to release it. And the second album was like, you know, if any if anyone doubted Monty's metal cred, uh, inverted grasp of balance, definitely. Uh, definitely shows that uh, that he wasn't messing around. Again, had Billy Sheehan and Richard Christie, who a lot of people may know from the Howard Stern show, but was also the drummer in Death and Iced Earth and his own band, Charred Walls of the Damned. See, I could have brought up the fact that I used the same double bass drum pedals as, as Richard Christie. So there you go. Um, uh, Brad, who sounds like Black Oak, Arkansas? Well, I would say that a lot of the... Um, there are bands like Denman and stuff like that that sound, I guess, more like Van Halen-ish. Maybe Black Oak, Arkansas wasn't the the exact right analogy. Uh, but you know what what I was getting at is is they're 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 not in the uh, Greta Van Fleet or the the darkness type deal. Where I mean I. Uh, maybe people are going to crap on me for this, but I see Greta Van Fleet as sounding more like a triumph or more like the darkness than actually Zeppelin. Are they an influence? Sure. But just the vocals and some of the stuff, just to, to quote Trent Reznor, nine inch nails sound like a copy of a copy of a, <laughs> you know? So to me, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't want to poo poo them because, you know, anyone who's playing rock, anyone who's young, who's playing rock music out there, I think, uh, I think we should support them. Even if we don't love absolutely everything that they do. And I mean, I get this question all the time. Um, what's the worst album that came out this year? I don't know because I try to focus on what I like. And even if, you know, if there's a band that puts out, a mediocre album. I, I try to gravitate towards the songs that I like off of the, off of that album and try to remember those songs because there's enough out there to, to focus on without having to always focus on the negative. That's just me. So uh, anyway, uh, I want to do a shout out to everyone who is joining us in the chat. Week after week, we have Jeremy um, over in the UK. We have Jose up in Connecticut. Um, we have Brad, who is joining us and also um, manning the the hotline over in Utah. Hope to have Brad back on here co-hosting with me very soon. Um, let's see. We had Chris Sinzak, who was on last week's show from uh, Decibel Geek and from the uh, Rock and Pod um, Expo. He joined in and I, I didn't see the comment here. Just dropping dropping in to say that power of three um, rules. I've been told that I should curse less because um, YouTube will promote me less. So we'll see. 
<laughs> it's hard. Um, what else? Um, have my brother Art joining us. Um, drop the uh, the city bus reference there. Uh, I, I don't see that the actual city bus is here, but uh, maybe he'll watch this later on. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, Brad says... I agree. Let's encourage those who rock or are about to rock. Uh, see what I did there. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> you grew up in New Jersey. Isn't swearing mandatory? Yes, Brad, it is. It is, it is difficult to, um, at times to, to, uh, and, and actually I will say this, that the part of Spain where I live in, uh, swears a ton as well when they speak. The equivalent to an f bomb is is said continuously. Um, my cousin Jose, who is up in Connecticut and is here week after week, I remember one of the more memorable things to happen growing up um, was that my brother, who was a few years older than me, brought back a a bunch of cassettes from Spanish metal artists and. Uh, you know, in the eighties that blew my mind because I only knew kiss and, you know, quiet riot and very few things there. Um, and it was, uh, it was funny because it was just so different. So I remember playing a cassette, uh, a live show where the, the band in question, uh, in Spanish is, uh, Baron Rojo, um, where the lead singer is trying to get the the crowd to get involved, and you know the usual you know chanting part or the crowd participation, and he says, "Fuck really loud." He says, "Joder," um, and my cousin was like, "Oh my god," um, you know, it was it was it was mind blowing uh, to him at the time. So I I always remember that um, little side story. This band ended up recording in the same studio that the band Samson was recording. Um, and since their album that they were their the album that they were recording was called Brutal Volume in English. Yes, you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in uh, on, on, on the uh, through through uh, other other channels. I'll, I'll remind you. Or, or I'll, I'll I'll send you the song. Uh, anyway, um, so the the English the, the album was being recorded in Spanish. It was called uh, uh, Volumen Brutal. In English, it is called uh, Brutal Volume. The opposite. Um, anyway, so um, uh, what ended up happening is they were recording with Samson. Samson's lead singer was one Bruce Bruce who would in a year's time be fronting Iron Maiden as Bruce Dickinson. Um, he helped them translate all the lyrics into English. So there's a little uh, Iron Maiden uh, Spanish uh, hard rock, heavy metal history there. So uh, uh, yeah. So I, I know that my brother who likes to tease me about knowing all of these um facts <laughs> is probably getting having a chuckle right now and if uh uh the the metal dentist listens to this or, or watches it um i'm sure he will be pointing his finger in the air and doing certain uh 
catchphrases as well. Uh, anyway, enough of inside baseball for, for one evening. Um, uh, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, <laughs> we're coming to the end of the show. Um, I do want to thank everyone for being here live. Everyone who is watching live, I'm trying to line up, um, some other guests for next week. Um, they may not be as well known. They are, um, hosts of other shows. I've reached out to a few different shows. This is one thing that Brad and I uh, have talked about in previous weeks. And I've said uh, over the years and those, those that, uh, those that are in the know, uh, know that I have always tried to support other shows, uh, various bands of, you know, various types of music, various bands, and um, to me, having other show hosts is just doing that. Not not only am I cross promoting and trying to get you know their audience to check my stuff out, but I also want you guys to check out something that I think is is pretty cool. And um, it's a brotherhood in the end. We're all in this, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, we're all trying to, you know, discuss music that we all love and trying to, uh, you know, spread the, share the wealth per se. And, um, and, you know, um, I am just happy that you guys are here. I am very grateful to anyone that is listening to this, um, if you're watching it live, if you're watching it, the replay on YouTube, if you're listening to the audio podcast version, thank you um, for doing so. If you want to keep up with me on social media, I am on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I mentioned YouTube. I also have a Patreon as well. And uh, I mention that all the time. Go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. There is a menu across the top where you can find links to all of this great stuff. Uh, so if you want to contact me, you can do that through there. If you want to chat with um, my patrons, uh, if you want to see all the cool content that um, that I am posting, videos and unboxings, this week I uh, unboxed uh, Angelus Apatrida, Angelus Apatridas, uh, latest self-titled album, number one here in Spain a few weeks back when it came out, beating out the Foo Fighters, released the same week. And um, it beat them out. And that's a huge accomplishment. It's very cool for, for that. Um, in any event, um, that unboxing is up there. And uh, if you want to check it out, anywhere from two bucks and up to join Patreon. Uh, there are exclusive, um, geez, I'm brain farting. I apologize. One ten in the morning folks. <laughs> uh, it is uh, the Patreon has exclusive content that you will find nowhere else. For example, my chat with Richie from the focus on metal podcast, where we talk about podcasting, um, uh, road scars or nightmares, however you want to put it. It's a real interesting chat. Richie's going to be back on shortly. Richie is always a fun person to talk to. Um, also have videos that I post usually two to three videos at least, um, every day. 
And we're trying to put a, a playlist together, which will end up on Spotify and Apple Music. And that is going to be picked by the patrons. So out of these videos that I am posting, whoever wants to um, give their opinion and say, hey, I want this in the playlist. Join Patreon. Listen to the good doctor um, out there in Utah. It is worth it. Two bucks is money well spent. So no gun to anyone's head. But if you want to support and you want to be involved in this great community where we chat all types of hard rock and metal, please join us up there on Patreon. So uh, that is it. Uh, I've uh, pretty much plugged everything there is to plug. If not, MarsAttacksRadio.com. That is where everything's at. Oh, yes. Actually, I have a newsletter uh, that I just started. And um, the the newsletter just went out last week. And it'll, it's going to be a weekly thing. It's going to be recapping everything that you may have missed from the week before uh, to kind of kick things off. So it's going to be everything Mars Attacks. A galaxy of Geeks, anything that I'm doing on the Mark Striegel podcast, anything if there's an episode of his recap show and um, and anywhere else that I appear, I'm going to include that information there. Um, also, the, the the other big news, don't always uh, mix uh, business with pleasure, but, uh, but hey, uh, I just launched um, my web design site. If anyone needs web design work, vmrit.com. Go there, check it out. Uh, that is it. Thanks again, everyone who is joining us live or recorded. It is fun. It was fun. Let's see if we can uh, rock the charts in Estonia again with this episode, folks. So, uh, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars. Podcast brought to you by Signals from Mars Livestream brought to you by the Mars Attacks Podcast. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, guys. Thanks. See you next week.